Ephesians 4, chapter 31st through the 32nd verse. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Good morning, fellow Christians. Today is Sunday, June 20th, and yesterday was Juneteenth. What a name, Juneteenth. Some of us might say, what really is Juneteenth? Also known by several other names, including Emancipation Day or Jubilee Day. Before I get into my Juneteenth sermon, let me tell you a story, and I hope it resonates with all of us. I did several town halls with social justice type themes for a predominantly white audience. I noticed that attendance of white members got smaller and smaller until I had very few or no white people in my town halls. I was told by a reliable source that something that I had said in previous town halls rubbed some people the wrong way. Well, talking on racial topics is not the easiest thing to do in a diverse audience. I say that to say, if I say something today that offends you or something you don't like, don't just cut me off because that is not my intention. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about what it is that made you uncomfortable or the solution might be that we can come to like-mindedness or we might just have to sit in our uncomfortableness. Our objective is to have difficult but honest conversations and collectively work together to make this world a better place. So when I finish my sermon today, I would hope that you will call me or email me if I say something that doesn't quite sit well with you. Just give me at least a B for trying to start the conversation the best way I know how. So we need to stop hiding from our history because why? We don't know where we're going until we know where we have been. And God wants all of us to get along and love each other as we love ourselves. So with that said, let us pray. Father God, thank you for this opportunity for us to come together to do your work. May the words that you have bestowed upon me today as your vessel be a blessing to, if not all, to many. Let us come with open minds, knowing that this is not about us, but about doing your work. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. When Pastor Leanne called me and asked me to present the sermon for this day, I said, of course. I love preaching at churches for the first time. You see, I can dust off one of my old sermons, pray over it, and update it if God gives me guidance and be ready to bring the word. Well, a couple of weeks after I had gleefully said yes and selected my sermon, Pastor Leanne, said, oh, you know, Phyllis, um, your sermon is close to Juneteenth. You should include that in your sermon. Oh, my, my, my. Being the obedient one, of course, I said yes, but no matter how hard I tried to incorporate Juneteenth into one of my old sermons, it just wasn't working. No matter how I prayed over that old sermon, Juneteenth just wasn't going to fit in. So here we are, fresh and new, my Juneteenth sermon. I will be quoting from many sources, and one of those sources is my book, African American Heroes in the Face of Domestic Terrorism, and I will put information in the chat on how you can get that. 
And another source is a documentary series produced by the Presbyterian Church USA, for short PC USA. It's called Trouble the Water Conversations to Disrupt Racism and Dominance. So first, let me ask, what would Jesus do or say about Juneteenth and the history of America? Well, the one thing that I can say about this is the words that are stated in my text today. We have to come to this story from the point of view of what Paul said in Ephesians 4 chapter 31st to the 32nd verse. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all matters. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as in Christ forgave you. We cannot study America's darkest sin unless we come to it with a forgiving heart and love for one another. Even though the horror of slavery is too horrendous for our earthly minds to wrap around it, we must bring forth the true truth, knowing that our objective is that we do not repeat the dreadful sins of our past. Paul, one of the most influential leaders of the first generation of Christians and author of much of the New Testament says in Ephesians 4.25, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And speaking of Paul, slaveholders use religion and Paul's words in the Bible to justify slavery. On the other hand, we can say that religion contributed greatly to the motivation of the abolitionists who wanted to rid the U.S. of slavery. And today's sermon is about a day that commemorates the ending of slavery in America, a day called Juneteenth. So let me start by giving you some background on how we got to Juneteenth. In 1619, Africans landed on the shores of Virginia. The vast majority of Africans who were seized and transported in the transatlantic slave trade were black bodies from Central and Western Africa. As a matter of fact, I traced my ancestry back to 47% Nigerian. So after my African ancestors were captured on the African continent, they were marched to the shores of Africa to wait for transport and would now confront the most perplexing sights of their lifetime. Men with white skin, the Atlantic Ocean, and the slave ships. The captured Africans were held inside enclosed dungeons while awaiting ships that would take them away forever. Once the slave ships arrived on the African shores to collect the captured Africans, the Africans were rustled up from the slave dungeon and eventually passed through what was to become known as the door of no return. Forced on the ships, shipped out to never return to their homeland. Of the estimated 10.7 million men, women, and children, who departed through Africa's door of no return and survived the journey across the Atlantic Ocean known as the Middle Passage, the Africans dropped off on the American shores, dropped off here, represented only about 5% of those Africans. About nine times as many Africans were shipped to the shores of Brazil and the Caribbean. The enslavement of black bodies became entrenched in the culture of America. After many years of abolitionist movements and slave revolts like Nat Turner, people who sided against the enslavement of other humans had enough. There was a civil war between the North and the South. With pressure from many sides, President Abraham Lincoln 
the 16th president of the United States at that time in 1862, issued the Emancipation Proclamation as the nation approached its third year of the bloody Civil War. The Emancipation Proclamation stated that on the first day of January, AD 1863, all persons held as slaves with any state or designated part of a state, the people whereof shall then be in rebellion against the United States shall be then, thenceforward and forever free. That's a jumbled way of saying, I'm not freeing all the slaves yet, but we'll get to that. Slaves were being set free all over the South, which was called the Confederate, and the message of freedom did not reach the slaves of the state of Texas, and people have surmised all kinds of reasons why. One thing we do know is they didn't have cell phones, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram back then. It wasn't until about two and a half years after the effective date of the Emancipation Proclamation that Major General Gordon Granger arrived in Galveston, Texas with 2,000 Union troops with the message, slaves were free. And according to an article in the Library of Congress, seven-year-old slave Molly Harrell said she and her mother left right off, walking down the road singing and shouting, singing and shouting because they were free. This happened on June 19, 1865, now known as Juneteenth, approximately two years after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. Yesterday was the 156th anniversary of Juneteenth. When the enslaved persons in the Southern states were set free, this is much more than a holiday. It is a day for Black people to celebrate freedom, culture, and heritage, and for everyone to recognize and commemorate this pivotal moment in American history. Notice I said American history, not Black history. July 4th commemorates when white people became free and Juneteenth celebrates when all Americans became free. It is all American history. The Emancipation Proclamation with freed slaves in the rebellious Confederate states was an attempt to right the injustice of a systemic racist society. It started way back then and we're still fighting for justice. Martin Luther King Jr. said in his letter from the Birmingham, Birmingham jail in 1963, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We must keep fighting. And when I say we, I mean all Americans must keep fighting the white racist element of our society to make this a more just society as we disrupt the systemic racism that is at the core of American society. Since the white supremacist element now has a leader and has been unified, they are a force with which to be reckoned. The January 6th insurrection was just a wake up call. If the white supremacist racist faction of our society is unified, it is imperative that we are unified. God expects us to respect each other's freedom and as a people, we need each other to survive and to thrive. Paul says in Galatians 3rd chapter 28 verse, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And in Romans 12, 10, Paul says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Martin Luther King Jr. said in his speech in 1964, 
We must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. Somewhere along the way, we human beings let the wheels fall off the wagon. Somewhere along the way, some Europeans decided that they could not thrive without someone else's oppression or even without their demise. It is high time, it is Juneteenth time to come together to change that narrative before our wheels become permanently damaged and will not fit back on the wagon. What do we need to do today to change our narrative? Paul said in Hebrews 12, chapter 14, verse, strive for peace with everyone. Matthew 5, chapter 9, verse says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So to summarize and try to bring this to a close, Juneteenth is a time to celebrate freedom, a time to celebrate all humanity, especially those who have been in bondage. The signing of the Emancipation Proclamation in Juneteenth are things to be celebrated because America is better for both of these things. It is time for truth and, and reconciliation. For too many years, Black people have struggled to get along in this country called America. Some people say, even some Black people say, get over it. That was a long time ago. Let's not say these things. Racism and the effects of the transatlantic slave trade are wounds we haven't been able to heal yet. America is powerful and rich today because of the chattel slavery and the brutality suffered by African-Americans. Noam Chomsky, he's a white scholar, a Harvard Junior Fellow, and widely known for his political activism, asked a very appropriate question in one of his articles. And this was in response to the Black Lives Matter movement and international activist group that campaigns against violence toward Black people. The title was, Why Won't U.S. Open Up to History of Slavery and Racism? And Noam Chomsky went on to say it, Black Lives Matter movement, is a response to the unresolved consequences of slavery and racism dating back hundreds of years. You got that word, unresolved consequences. And he went on to say, slavery is a large part of the basis of our wealth and privilege. This is the core of our history along with the extermination and expulsion of the native population, but is not part of our consciousness, end quote. Remember that phrase, slavery is the core of our history. A few years ago at another Presbyterian church, I heard a provocative sermon by one of the white ministers. He spoke about social justice, the doctrine of discovery. He called, he, he talked about how violence is a part of the founding of America. It's part of our DNA. He went on to say, there are three things our country is founded on, violence, genocide, European supremacy. He said, we need to come to grips with our idea of European supremacy. The Presbyterian church is part of the movement of change. People's attitude will change when reconciliation begins. I know that this reverend was talking about the Native Americans and their mistreatments, but he brought back so many of my thoughts on how African-Americans are treated in this country. If we are to bridge this gap of understanding that we are all God's children and we are all created equally in the eyes of God, we have to start teaching American history to our children. For generations, children have been spared 
the whole terrible reality about slavery's place in U.S. history. Our children must be told the brutal truth so that they can understand how this country came about and the role that all Americans played in building this country. I did not have this knowledge when I was young and I was taught a skewed view of who my people were. In my sixth grade class, history class, the only thing we learned about black people and slavery is that they were happy, they sang and they ate watermelon. Later that year, as an elected officer for my class, I attended a student council conference with students from other schools. I don't remember how the discussion came up, but a white boy commented that Negroes have made no contribution to society. But this little Negro boy rose to his feet and proudly proclaimed all these things black people had contributed to the world. And he sat down. <laughs> well, my chest must have swelled five inches. I was so proud of this little black boy and, and will never forget him. I was so proud that and impressed with the way he was able to defend our people. All children should possess this knowledge and know that African-Americans fought for their freedom and have made many significant contributions to the world in spite of the brutality and psychological trauma Blacks as a people have suffered. The world needs to understand that Black history did not begin in 1619. If we don't teach the true truth, then we are not giving our children the information they need to be the best people they can be, nor are they getting the information they need to bridge the gap of separation. I guess this is where I can talk about a term that has taken over the news today, critical race theory. <laughs> As I'm researching this new term that has entered our consciousness, it is so confusing and muddled. I'm thinking, this doesn't make any sense at all. As I always do about everything, I pray. I pray and God said, <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but God talks to me. And he talks in whispers, so you have to be quiet and at peace to hear when God speaks to you. Some people say, uh, my intuition or something said, well, I say God said to me, it's a distraction. OMG, thank you, God. But why did I think of that? That has been a tactic of the distractors for the past several years. After I changed my mindset to research this differently, bingo, it came clear. I'm pretty sure critical race theory is a distraction from what is really happening. And I think the factions of society, society promoting this criticism, they are winning. There are so many people, black and white, across the country in a total freak out over critical race theory. The funny part about it is it appears few, if any, of them could even explain what it actually is. That's because despite what fake news is telling them, critical race theory is the actual academic framework that was developed in law schools in the mid-70s to understand the historical reason our legal system perpetuates racial inequalities. Here goes the definition from the Encyclopedia Britannica. Critical race theory is an effort, to, effort by activists and legal scholars to understand why the US civil rights movement has lost momentum and was in danger of being reversed. 
the approach emphasized general and systemic features of the legal system that serve to perpetuate race-based oppression and white privilege. No one is advocating teaching this to our children, folks. According to some sites, these claims are a complete lie, ginned up by propagandists who are desperate to keep the people whipped into a racist frenzy. It is important to note that the fabricated fury over critical race theory is a cleverly constructed lie to distract from making the teaching of slavery a part of the school curriculum. The real issue at hand is that some people don't want white kids to learn even the most basic truths about American history. To understand what's really going on under all the scaremongering, it's important to know that when some people talk about critical race theory, they aren't talking about the actual academic framework that I just explained to you that was developed by law professors. Instead, some quote, some people have appropriated critical race theory as a convenient catch-all to describe basically any serious attempt to teach the history of race and racism. What are they distracting us from? 1619 Project, which is a groundbreaking project, which uh, has created a curriculum for teachers of all grade levels. The curriculum asks students to examine the history and the legacy of slavery in the United States. The 1619 Project was in the news. The narrative has been taken over by the controversy of critical race theory. Don't buy into the okie doke. One tweet from a white teacher named Kevin M. Levin in 2019 says, the essays in the 1619 Project will certainly help my students better understand that the world they live in was shaped in so many ways by the history of colonial slavery and its evolution through the antebellum period. Lawmakers in at least five states have introduced legislation that would prohibit schools from teaching the 1619 Project and are threatening to cut funding from schools that do teach it. Don't buy into that. Critical race theory is a distraction from the fact that white supremacists are fighting to keep the teaching of slavery out of school so that children will not learn the true truth about the legacy of slavery and the part slavery played in making this country the richest and the greatest. Critical race theory has nothing, nothing to do with what is being proposed to be taught to our elementary, middle, and senior high school students. Don't get distracted by the distractors. Moving on, as we are planning to make a difference in this world, let's stay close to God by reading the Bible, studying the Bible, and meditating on God's word. Because as the saying goes, the Bible is our basic instruction before leaving earth. B-I-B-L-E, basic instruction before leaving earth. And we need all of God's grace and blessings as we plead to God to lead us and help us. Black people have been under the system of exclusion and suppression for over 400 years. I know at times I feel tired, weak, and worn, and I ask God to just take my hand and lead me on. As the old folks used to sing, Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, 
I am weak and I am one. Praise God that brings me back memories of my mom as she used to sing those songs. It is time to change the system of oppression, a system that excludes people of color, a system designed on a foundation of white supremacy. Even President Lincoln made it clear when he said, and I quote, I am not in favor of bringing about the social and political equality of the white and black races. And inasmuch as they do remain together, there must be a position of superior and inferior. And I, as much as any other man, am in favor of having, having the superior position assigned to the white race. White supremacy didn't just start today. From the start, so many of our country's laws and public policies were designed explicitly to prevent people of color from fully participating in what we call the American dream. And these laws and policies remain part of the fabric of American policymaking today. We call it systemic racism. Speaking of today, I understand Congress has made Juneteenth a national holiday. Some black folks are so excited. Yeah, this is a great thing, don't get me wrong. But my question is, you mean you want America to celebrate Juneteenth, but you don't want to teach the history of Juneteenth in our schools? Oh. You want to ban curriculum from our schools that would teach our children the meaning of Juneteenth and its history? Okay, how much sense does that make? My late sister Maddie would say, and that's not Phyllis, my late sister Maddie would say, you want to celebrate Juneteenth, but you don't want to teach it in school. My late sister Maddie would say, that show is stupid. <laughs> and oh, by the way, you can quickly and easily pass a law to make Juneteenth a national holiday, but you won't pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act or the George Floyd Justice and Policy Act. Don't get me wrong, I'm pleased that Juneteenth is a nationally recognized holiday, but in context, what are we doing? What are we saying? Congress still hasn't made lynching a federal hate crime. What are we saying? What are we doing? From yesterday's struggle against slavery to today's struggle against racism and white supremacy, something is wrong with this picture. Blacks are still in a fight for freedom and equality, suffering from the new Jim Crow, attacks on our basic rights to vote, school to prison pipeline, stand your ground, and the murder of innocent black men, Emmett Till, Medgar Evers, Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown Jr., Christian Taylor, Tamir Rice, Freddie Carlos Gray Jr., Eric Garner, George Floyd, just to name a few. Moving on. The emancipation has happened. On paper, it says we should be free. Let's work towards making all men free with justice for all. The Bible verse Martin Luther King Jr. quoted most of all was Amos 5.24, but let justice roll down as water and righteousness as a mighty stream. The prophet Amos was saying that God wants justice for all and it is all of our responsibility. Not only do we need to help each other, but we need to understand how we are all connected as God's children. We need to understand and believe in our hearts that the liberation of one 
depends on the liberation of all. My fellow Christians, even if we don't know how to address the racism in our community at large, we do know how to address the racism in ourselves and our families. We do know a better way, a Jesus way. We know that God wants us all to live together in harmony. That's changed the way we think about the issue. Let's start with what we have in common and work from there. It's not a black issue. We are all human, created by God, looking for the same things for our life and for our families. In his 1968, I've been to the mountaintop speech. Martin Luther King said, let us rise up tonight with great readiness. Let us stand with a great determination and let us move on in these powerful days, these days of challenges to make America what it ought to be. We have an opportunity to make America a better nation. In conclusion, what can we do today to make America a better nation? When we see racism, let's speak up. Let's continue to celebrate Juneteenth and advocate for the teaching of the true American history. Let's press our Congress to get the laws passed to make this a more just and equal society for all. To all African Americans, contemplate how we are using our freedom to build our own communities for the next generation. Contemplate how we need to teach our children. Let's contemplate how we free our minds from the shackles. Today we are free, but for some, the mental chains still remain. We pray that other churches are following the lead of the Presbyterian Church USA, and I quote from the PCUSA Book of Order, quote, it is absolutely clear that God has called us as people of faith to seek justice for those most marginalized in our world. As a Matthew 25 denomination, it is the vision, it is the vision of our church to eradicate white supremacy and dismantle institutionalized racism. What is a Matthew 25 church? I'm glad you asked. According to the Presbyterian Church USA, Matthew's 25th verse, 31 to the 46th verse calls all of us to actively engage in the world around us so our faith comes alive and we wake up to new possibilities. The Presbyterian Church USA is committed to acting boldly and compassionately to serve people who are hungry, oppressed, imprisoned, or poor. And last but not least, for all of us, let's love one another as God asks us to. And before I close, let me summarize some facts about Juneteenth that might have gotten lost in the text. Because the truth will set us free. In 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation freed only slaves living in the southern states, not all slaves, that rebelled against, the, the, rebelled against and seceded from the Union. So the Emancipation Proclamation only freed some slaves. In 1865, slaves in Texas received word they're free, Juneteenth, and also in 1865, and this is important, the 13th Amendment was passed. It outlawed slavery and abolished slavery as an institution in all U.S. and territories, except if you're a criminal, which makes slavery still legal today. This freed the slaves 
in the border states of Delaware, Maryland, Kentucky, and Missouri. So we have several different things going on there. Just wanted to get that in there. To God be the glory for all that has been done for us and all that God will do for us in the future as we fight against these demons called racism and white supremacy. May you continue to have a celebratory Juneteenth weekend and remember, God loves you and so do I. To God be the glory. Amen. Thank you, Phyllis. God loves you and so do I. And there is nothing that we can do about that, which is awesome.